right now, if you as a marketer is looking to, to buy data, it's kind of like trading stocks in the 1920s where there was no audited financials. So there's really not a standard. And so I think how you know someone can engage with Neutronian is to go forth with a with a set of standards then. So and then you can go through and do, you know, level two, level three analysis and say, okay, who who's the best need or best fit for this client or this campaign? That's Lisa Abusala, VP of Customer Success at Neutronian. On this episode, we sit down and talk to Lisa about why all data is not created equally and what Neutronian is doing to change that. And we also talk about why a company like Neutronian needed a podcast. This is Lights, Camera, Grow. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. My name is Jared. Today, I'm sitting here with Ho, and we have special guest Lisa Abusala. How's it going, Lisa? It's going good. How are you guys today? We are great. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to hang out with us for a few minutes and talk all things sort of uh, around the podcast round. But we also want to know a little bit more about Neutronian and what you do. So if you could actually just give the audience a little bit of a oversight of who you are and, and what you do. Sure, sure. I am a traditional you know, market researcher at heart. That's kind of where I started my career. Um, so type a, um, very attention to detail, you know, let's focus on that. Um, my career path kind of led me to, um, I spent a good amount of time at Comscore in various different roles, um, focused on customer success and research and partner management. So got a lot of exposure to digital advertising programmatic, um, through that. And then, um, beginning of this year, I joined Neutronian, um, which is a early stage startup. And um, for Neutronian, I'm overseeing uh, customer success and marketing and anything else that we need, <laughs> you know, wearing lots of hats at the moment. Classic startup. Yes, yes. And it's my first time in a startup. So it's been um, it's been a really, you know, kind of crazy wild ride 2020 in general. But, um, you know, then having, a, you know, a new role and new experience, it's been um, it's been really exciting, though, and really um a lot of fun. Nice. So tell us a little bit about Neutronian and what you guys do there. So um, Neutronian is uh, the the elevator pitch that we say is we are the uh, credit score or Moody's rating, if you will, for MarTech data. And really kind of, you know, what that stems from is um, uh, my two co-founders, you know, have experience in uh, bot detection and brand safety and, you know, uh, very involved in in the digital ecosystem, myself with experience at Comscore and working with our programmatic data. Um, I think, you know, through all those experiences, recognize the need. There isn't really a standard for data quality uh, within the industry, so there's not um, there's not a lot of clarity, transparency, and you know, I've been a data seller too, so it kind of works both ways, right? Like I've been one of those data sellers that's in a marketplace trying to get someone to to buy my data, right? And how do you differentiate yourself from everything that's out there? And then I think also, you know, from a agency or marketer standpoint, there is no real guidepost or guidance to know, um, are you using something that's high quality? Are you using something that's good? Um, You know, for so long, we've been paying so much attention to, is it driving performance, which is absolutely very important, but there's also considerations on the underlying data and kind of what goes into it that, um, that, you know, we feel need to be taken into account. That's cool. I like uh, I like the movie score idea. So it's like Rotten Tomatoes for for data. <laughs> well, actually, no. Rotten Tomatoes is a terrible way to, to gauge movies uh, yeah. for anybody out there because anybody can 
sort of chime in. It's like the Wikipedia of uh, of, of movie ratings. But anyway, that's your neither here or there. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So uh, that's really it's it's really fascinating to us. We are a HubSpot agency, so we are very familiar with Martech. But how do you how does Neutronian sort of integrate directly with Martech? So our engagements and our relationships are with those that are selling the data. So that will be, you know, our client will, they will go through our certification process and, and we'll work with them through that. Um, we are also engaging directly with agencies or marketers as um, kind of their vetting engine, right? So they'll say, hey, we want to have a standard across the board, or we want you to take on this load from us because um, we know, you know, especially on, on you know, the agency and, and the brand side, like, there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done, right? So um, if that's something we can do to, to kind of take that first step of vetting data providers off their plate, um, that's something that we're helping them with. And then I think, you know, long-term, the goal really would be kind of is what you pointed out is to have that integration directly into whether it's, you know, a flag in the bid stream or, um, you know, a badge or a filter that's in uh, DSPs, DMPs that someone can say, okay, I only want to buy on um, certified data. Um, is kind of the the future goal um, that we're that we're looking to to move towards. From my experience, right, um, like marketing managers have a sense of data is important, right? Um, we get that data from different metrics like Google Analytics, and and those things are well known. But in in a bigger sense, where does Neutronian fit into that? Why why would why would a, a you know company or a marketing agency look for a service like Neutronian? Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, no, good question. Um, you know, another analogy that, that we like to put out there is right now, if you as a marketer is looking to, to buy data, it's kind of like um, trading stocks in the 1920s where there was no audited financials, right? So at this point in time, you're going based on um, the trust. It's, it's totally based on trust and on, on what the data provider is telling you. Um, that's not all a bad thing, right? And, it, and definitely not saying that that th- that trust isn't important or that it's not valid, but I think that, um, you know, how how they might be marketing their data or evaluating it could differ from partner to partner. So there's really not a standard. And so I think how, you know, someone can engage with Neutronian is to is to go forth with a with a set of standards then. So, you know, there's five baseline categories that we evaluate data quality on and it's saying, OK, those, you know, that's what we want to use as our starting point and have Neutronian get us to, out of all the data providers out there, here are 20 that are fit for your purpose. And then you can go through and do, you know, level two, level three analysis and say, okay, who, who's the best need or best fit for this client or, um, you know, this campaign. That's fascinating. So before Neutronian sort of got into the marketplace, were there other, um, I guess, other sort of competitors out there? Are you guys sort of carving out a new market space? Honestly, you know, we would definitely say that we're carving out a new space. I think there are complementary solutions that are out there um, that are focused maybe on, you know, a specific component. So maybe um, accuracy evaluations, right, or um, performance tests, that kind of stuff. But really what we're trying to do in, in is focus on a holistic definition of data quality. So everything from, you know, initial consent and, you know, alignment with, you um, uh, regulations like CCPA and GDPR, you know, everything from how the data is originally sourced through methodology all the way to then um, performance and testing on the back end. So that's really where we think our definition of quality and how we're going about it and, and auditing data providers is, is unique. 
All right, so that brings me to my next question. Let's switch from the product to the marketing side. How have you been able to sort of get the word out there and start to cultivate growth around the products? Yeah, because you came in in January of this year. And then after two months of working, you know, COVID and all that happened. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yes. So um, to to give some more context that we did our official first product launch at the end of February. Uh, We were at ramp up at the beginning of March, which I think was the last in-person, you know, um, event. So um, we had great momentum from that. But then obviously the the world kind of came to a to a screeching halt for a while. So um, I think it's really been um, first and foremost, leaning on our our strong network of contacts. Um, Both our co-founders have been in this industry for a really long time. So they have a a great um, network of, you know, trusted advisors and and friends. Um, We've had such great support from the industry for what we're doing and kind of what our mission is. Um, You know, from a financial backing standpoint, we've had a lot of great angel investors that are, you know, well known in the industry. And um, that's given us, I think, a lot of credibility and, and, you know, helped open conversation when they say, oh, wow, you know, that that's who's put their backing behind you. And then I think even from an advisor standpoint, we, we made a really conscious effort to get representation from, um, all areas of the industry, especially from, you know, brands and and agencies as we're, what we're developing. So I think again, that helps has helped us, um, have connections, but also, you know, ensure that what we're putting out there is, is resonating. Um, so it's been a, a lot of grassroots efforts to date, um, but I think you know now we're at the point, and especially going into 2021, and hoping that you know things are going to turn a corner at some point. Um, we're starting to think about how we how we expand outside of that, and, and really trying to think more of an integrated um, strategy when it comes to content and, and engagement and, and those types of things. Obviously, that brings us sort of like to a little bit of the topic today. So along those lines, it seems like you guys have stumbled on podcasting. Um, in a format of possibly creating content. So tell us a little bit about what your plans are for the podcast. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, really being at the phase that we're at, it's, it's about brand awareness. Like we're, you know, we're top of the funnel right now. And so it's, how can we get our message out and connect with the most, you know, as, as many people as possible. Um, so I think it's, it's wanting to get the brand awareness out there and wanting to show incumbent from a position of thought leadership, because like we talked about, you know, we think how we're approaching data quality is unique and something that, you know, um, there's a lot to learn for all of us in the industry and, and kind of how we address this. So um, I think we are looking and trying to leverage any avenues we can, um, you know, event sponsorships. I talked about ramp up like that was something that was great, um, obviously harder these days, um, but, you know, virtual sponsorships if we can. Um, partnering, you know, we have a lot of great partners and, you know, as we have data providers that come through and, and are, um, certified by us, we've done a lot of, um, co-marketing with them and, and kind of, you know, um, done different events or webinars around that. And then I think, um, our own content that we're producing. So trying to, to do a wide variety to try and, you know, fit people like to consume content in a lot of different ways. Right. So, we have, you know, we'll do blog posts, we'll do video interviews, and then podcasts came about because, you know, we really think that's uh, another avenue for us to explore that, you know, 
podcasts enable people to be able to listen in the background while they're doing something else. And I yep. think, you know, it's, it, it's just a good, a good forum to kind of like connect with people, but um, not have it be something that has to be all, you know, they have to block off separate times specifically yep. to, to kind of learn about it. Yeah. And the famous words of uh, a quote that just flies around on, on our show here a lot is um, there's no other place where you can have 20 minutes of like one-to-one conversation in somebody's ear directly other than like a podcast. So uh, whatever your message is or, or however you're trying to tell, talk more about your product or even just the, the circles that are outside of your product and, and the uh, like the marketplace that you're trying to touch, the podcast is like one of the best ways. And you hit it on the nose when you talk about that people can just pick it up when they want, they can go back to it. You know, it's always referenceable. Um, yeah, so that's that's a big reason. Yeah, so there's there's podcasting, there's blogging, there's videos, there's so many avenues of marketing, right? Um, is your is your like target audience different for each um, content, or uh, how, how did you think that through? What was your strategy there? Yeah, you know, I don't know that it, it necessarily differs. I think it's kind of maybe not based on like um, a segment of the market, but maybe more just the profile, right? Like if you think about. Um, my parents, for example, they're not going to listen to podcasts, right? So like, you know, I think it's, it's trying to reach maybe like different demographics within our customer segments um, or, you know, um, different folks, again, just based on how, how they like to consume the content. Um, but I think that, you know, we're really, we kind of got to the podcast point just because, again, I think it was a creative and, and unique way that we were looking to, to put some content out there. Um it's in, in also from the standpoint of it's something we can build on, like we're looking at it like a series, right. And so it's going to be very focused on data quality, but you know, it's an avenue where we can, we can bring in and have guests like this, right. And, and kind of hear from their perspective. So I think, you know, we're hoping that it can be kind of something, a living and breathing series that folks can listen to and tune into and just hear how different advertisers, agencies, uh, data providers are thinking about data quality or, you know, what's going on in the industry and, and how they can address it. Yeah. I mean, it's a super important topic, right? So I guess how you frame it is really where, um, you know, it can start to grow, grow legs. So in my mind, I see it like if you, if you were to even take it in like a narrative direction where it's almost like a mystery type story direction, you know, it's very, and obviously that's very heavily creatively scripted, but, but that's one way you could, you know, get the word out to people that may not sit and listen to more of the technical style jargon that, you know, a lot of it I'm sure is very heavily technical, but if you, if you're putting it out there uh, in a way that's more digestible for, for like the everyday audience, I think that's, that's a great way to like capture a new, a new set of uh, listeners. That's, um, that's really interesting. Almost like the, the serial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it were like, like serial or Dr. Death or any of these crazy, um, like true crime almost, right. Where it fits like data breaching. Cause it's the, the craziest thing about it is it's such a important thing and, um, data hygiene, I guess, yeah, if yeah. you will, right. is really important. And a lot of people, you know, sort of just kind of gloss over it. Um, if anybody out there has watched, um, that Netflix Netflix documentary, um, what is it? The social dilemma, right? Oh yeah. And they talk about, you know, data, you know, just it's sort of on this like black market of trade. Um, that's, you know, right along. The and it's lines. also top of mind for a lot of people right now. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. And, and again, going back to just the format of a podcast, it's great, great timing because everybody's at home trying to consume some type of content. So, uh, you know, the more you can learn on, and especially through a podcast that that's great. Yeah. Agreed. And just a quick question, and this might 
just be a personal question, but like <laughs> new, new, who, who buys Neutronian services? Is it um, people who get certified, like the data companies, or is it the people who actually buy the data and want to vet it? Like wh- how, how does that work? <laughs> both, both. So, so, you know, there's two ways that we could go about it. There's definitely, um, you know, data, people that are selling data providers that are selling their data that um, come to us and say, hey, we'd like your help. We'd like to go through your process. We want to have a way to differentiate yourselves. Um, so they're absolutely, you know, customers of ours. And then the um, the other example being, you know, agencies or marketers that we're working with that would come to us and say, hey, we, we want you to to take on um, this, you know, vetting data for us as we're, we're thinking about onloading or onboarding new data partners. Um, so we'd like you to, to vet them for us. So it can be both. You know, we're, we're fairly small agency, right? Um, but at what point does that data um, vetting really matter? You know what I mean? Like there's, like you said, there's agencies that provide the data, but we're looking at, do you guys vet it? And it's just like increments of like one, 2% um, of like inaccuracies. I don't know how to ask this question <laughs> without sounding like an idiot. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean, I get what you're saying. And, and I mean, the... Um, from my standpoint, I would say that it always matters, right? So right. it's not, but, but, you know, so, um, one of our partners, I think said it best is that the, so data quality always matters, but the importance of data quality could vary depending on where you are in the funnel, right? So like if you're running a campaign where your goal is just, you know, it's a, it is an awareness campaign, right? Maybe, maybe that's okay. Um, for you, you know, reach is most important. And so um, maybe maybe you don't have to have as strict requirements when it comes to data quality. But if you think about further down in the funnel, you know, loyalty campaigns for, mm-hmm. you know, trusted, um, trusted, you know, consumers that you want to engage with, like you want to make sure that the mechanisms and that you're using to identify them and reach them are are high quality, right? So I think it 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 can like the the amount of quality or the importance of the different components can vary and that's very much like when we talk about how we engage with agencies and marketers is we have our standard definition of quality right um but what we are moving towards is a scoring framework and a scoring framework that can be customized based on the need right so if you think of like dials so let's say um you know it's a financial services clients. So regulation um, in general, but especially things like, you know, regulations within their industry, FICRA, those types of things are super important. So let's dial up that criteria in the evaluation of data providers for them. So more of a fit for purpose fits their needs specifically and kind of helps identify those data sources that are best aligned with the client's needs and, and objectives. Okay. So that's really interesting. So, and I don't know, since you haven't launched your podcast, um, just kind of going back to podcast and podcast data itself. So podcast data, I'm sure you guys have done some research on it. It's, it's sort of, I don't want to say fake, but it's really bad, right? (laughs) It's really bad. It's actually really bad. Um, and we're always trying to figure out like, how do we qualify better data for our podcasts? 
So like your We're typical situation. Content in general, right? Yeah, but it's easier these days to track things in, in video mm. format and blog format. You know, obviously you can figure out there's heat maps you can put on web pages sure. and things like that. So on a blog, it's it's fairly easy yeah, to figure okay. out, right? Yeah. On a video with players like Wistia and Vidyard, it's a little bit easier because, and even YouTube to some extent these days, because it gives you sort of the minute by minute overview of the data. But with podcasts, unless you're using a platform like Casted, uh, and I think maybe casted or even simple cast to some extent, if you use their player, you can get that sort of heat map. I did air quotes for people that are listening. <laughs> you can get that heat map um, and see like a minute by minute graph, if you will, to see when people drop off, to see when people stay on, you know, where they're engaging the most, if they're going back. But in Apple and Spotify uh, and I guess Google to some extent, you don't really get that data as much. Um, so I'm curious to think just as how you guys are thinking about sort of tracking. And I know you're using the podcast maybe as awareness right now. So it's great if someone downloads and plays, then you, you have maybe it's just black and white in that that sense. But how have you guys thought about um, podcast data? Um, I don't and know. Maybe you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, that's that's a really good point. I mean, I guess I think there's a couple ways um, to look at it. So what you're talking about is really kind of verification of of engagement metrics. Sure. Right? So yeah. you want to know like who watched your podcast, you know, how many people it reached that kind of stuff. So, you know, my thought on that, and this is again, just kind of like off the cuff, but um, you know, what it comes down to is whatever platform you're using, right? Like how, like from Neutronium standpoint if someone wanted to say like, can you tell me if these are good metrics or reliable metrics, right? right? It, it kind of starts at, okay, so Let's back it up and say, what's their overall framework? What's their methodology? How are they tracking that? What's the technical aspects behind it? Um, and if those all seem solid and good um, and, you know, kind of meet the standard criteria, then I would say that, you know, then then those that output, those metrics they're providing you um, would be, you know, we would think that they would be reliable. So I think it's where we're looking at is really in the, the nuts and bolts in the processes and, you know, kind of the the thoughtfulness and the approach that folks are going through and kind of setting up whatever they're producing from a data standpoint um, and understanding then, you know, how rigorous are they in testing it and evaluating and making sure what they deliver is, is effective and efficient. So well, if, I don't know if that's helpful. I mean, that's no, just kind of like, yeah, it, it totally is. But if Neutronian ever decides to uh, take on Apple as a client, please talk to them about their podcast <laughs> metrics that they've been walling off for years. Uh, that's just always been like a big topic in in like podcast land. They're starting to open up now. And I think it's just because they have to like Spotify <laughs> has come onto the the circuit and Google to some extent. So they sort of don't have a choice if they want people to be on their platform. They kind of have to give these metrics up. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for that. That that was that was uh, a cool way to think about that. Let's jump back into more of the marketer side and the creation. Have you guys had any like pain points building your podcast or where, have you seen any like stumbling spots in, in the early days of it so far? Well, I mean, I definitely think so. Um, uh, being a startup early on and, you know, wearing many hats, like that's something that falls under my remit, but is not, um, in my, you know, area of expertise. So, um, <laughs> definitely, I think, you know, from a, it, it's a hundred percent, like starting from scratch learning experience. And that's where, you know, thank you again for, for the advice and input that, um, you know, that we can get from friends like you guys. I think, um, it's, it's really just trying to figure out, 
how, you know, what kind of framework do we want? And, and even you can probably tell today when I'm talking to you, it's like, well, I think we're going to do this and it's going to be a series. And I think it's going to be like that. But now I'm like, oh, I like the idea for a, you know, serial type uh, <laughs> series for, for debt equality. So I think it's, um, it, it's still evolving as we're trying to figure out like what the heck it is that we want to do with this. But, um, but I think it is just, you know, it is something that, that we want to explore and we want to do. I think, and I might've said, um, said this when, when we talked before, but, you know, we're also thinking of not only what is the application for something like this um, in B2B, but also kind of from a um, consumer facing standpoint, because when you talk about data quality, like there's, there's the business aspect and businesses making sure that, you know, they are handling data appropriately and using the best quality data, but also from a consumer education standpoint, right. As consumers get more and more concerned, um, you know, CCPA, CPRA, right? Like everything that's passing, right? That that's coming from consumers that are saying, Hey, wait a minute. Like, I don't understand how my data is being tracked or how it's being used. So I think, you know, we also are looking to have, um, applications to the consumer side with what can we put out there that, that helps educate consumers about, um, data quality and how they can think about using their data or monitor. And that's not the right word, but you know, yeah. Monetize their data, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to help them monetize it, but yeah, how can they? (laughs) But at least they should be aware that it's possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And what protections they have or what options they have type thing. Um, And maybe make it not so scary too, right? Because I feel like it could swing so much the other way where everyone's like, oh God, no, I want no one, you know, having access to my data. And I brought up my parents before, but I've had that conversation with them. And it's like, well, you know, my dad who still won't like purchase anything online. And I was (laughs) you know, he doesn't want to be out there. He still goes in person to the bank. Like this is what, this is what we're, you know, we're facing. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's okay. Like there's some advantages, right? You get more relevant content. Um, when, when folks, you know, when companies have access to your behaviors, right? Yeah. So it's like, there's, there's trade-offs and in, in trying to figure out what level of trade-off you're comfortable with is something that consumers, um, could learn more about. Yeah. That's really funny. I have an aunt and I just thought of this story. He's like, hey, can you order me something off Amazon? And I'm like, yeah, can't you order it yourself? And she's like, I don't trust the system. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but you're okay with me purchasing yeah, things? Yeah. <laughs> like through the internet? And she's like, yeah, you're okay because you're young. You'll figure it out. <laughs> and she's like, no, but I'm good. Um, you're but, young and broke. You don't have anything yeah, to exactly. steal. <laughs> can't steal from you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are they going to steal? Your debt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's so funny. But kind of to touch on what you were saying, like, I always viewed like as I was doing research on Neutronian as like a B2B company um, because you guys work, but you guys are actually exploring a consumer um, base as well. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I think just more from a education and awareness standpoint, Mm. right? I I think is, is, you know, something we've, we've talked about or considered. No, but that's great because that starts the conversation for people that work in companies that, you know, it can eventually tail into yeah. like, Hey guys, we should be thinking about this, you know, and those bring, it just raises more awareness and bigger conversations. Um, but I think, I, I think your, your thought about the podcast is perfect. It should be experimental. It should be sort of like, it should be alive. A lot of people think that it's kind of like set it and forget it, but it's not, it should be alive and it should change over time. And especially if you're doing seasonal stuff and it's like uh, a series, then, you know, it can be episodic, uh, you know, year after year, month after month, however your cadence is. So one question that we always love to ask our guests are, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in 
and let's not talk about the scary stuff, but what are the stuff, what is the stuff you're really like in love with right now from like a marketing standpoint? What trends are you seeing that you? Yeah, no, good question. Um, so I think that, um, right now what I am loving is anything that's focused on positivity. Um, you know, (laughs) coping during the pandemic, um, all of the, you know, social justice focused efforts I think are, are really awesome and, and obviously very timely with everything going on, but, um, we all need more positivity these days. So I think, I think that's awesome. I think that, um, you know, with everything and how 2020 has played out, I think it's just really interesting from like the market researcher and me, um, how it's changed everyone's habits. Right. And so I think everyone's kind of, you know, we're all flailing a little bit in, in, you know, everyone in, in marketing is kind of like, okay, how do I, you know, I, I used to reach people this way, or I used to, you know, target this type of segment or, or, you know, expect this behavior and that's not the case anymore. So I think it's a really interesting time as everyone kind of figures out what the, um, quote unquote new normal, um, looks like, or at least the, the normal right now looks like and, and how we adapt to that. Um, so I think that's been really interesting. And then I think, um, personalization, right? Like I, I, I said that before, you know, like I don't mind that, right. I'd rather all day have someone send me something and, and I'm kind of like such a sucker for it, right? Like <laughs> getting those emails of like, Hey, we think you like this, right? Like we saw you looking <laughs> at the, and I'm in, you know, my husband's like, yeah, great. This is what we need more online shopping. Right. But like, <laughs> um, you know, anyone, anytime that, you know, someone's reaching out to me and I feel like it is really, seems like they care about me or seems like they care about what, you know, what my needs are or, or what I, what I like. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's been awesome. I have a question. Oh, I knew, I knew you did. Yeah. That's why I didn't even bother. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, and we, if we could take a step back, we got introduced to you through Alice, right? And um, Alice is a, I guess, what friend of ours yeah. at this point now, right? Um, but can you guys vet the polling data? Because obviously <laughs> they're not doing it correctly. Or are we not going there? Should we not go there? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't think we'd want to touch it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, okay. Yeah. Um, but no, that's a good point. I mean, so she, like when I was talking about the the consumer side, like that's also roping, bringing her in with her experience and, you know, everything that she's done, um, through, through her research and stuff. Um, you know, she has a lot of, of feedback and opinions on, on, on that space as well. All right. Uh, yeah. Sorry, that was just a personal. That's all right. <laughs> you me. had to hit the red button. I had to. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> No, we will not be vetting the, uh, you know, the ballots that are counted in, in Georgia. <laughs> that will not be us. Yeah, but the people, uh, just to maybe I'll just pivot from that, right? But the people who, who buy the data are, are um, larger corporations, right? They're, they're buying data so that their market researchers can take it and then build a strategy out of that. And then um, the more precise the data, the, be- the better it is for them. Yeah. Okay, so just jumping back a little bit, you mentioned something um, a little bit about how things are um, being positive and and sort of how as marketers, you know, the messaging has had to shift in, in a sort, right? Because you're trying to figure out how to connect with people in new ways and different ways. And uh, especially when people are just get, getting bombarded with everything. Um, it's like a fire hose, right? Between email, social media, whatever it is. Um, how have you in the internal team, since you guys are so new, handled some of the maybe cultural hurdles in the beginning or early stages of a startup um, since you're 
maybe now all working from home. If you if you were in an office, maybe you were already working from home. But how has your company sort of tackled some of those challenges? Yeah, no. So we're definitely um, we're dispersed across the U.S. Um, so we are all working from home. Um, we pretty much live on video. Um, and, and it's kind of really funny because I'll talk to friends that you know, maybe, you know, in different, different roles or whatever. And, and they're like, oh yeah, through, through the pandemic, you know, I'm, um, you know, we all joke about, you know, you're wearing your sweats and you don't have to get ready for the day and all of that. And I'm like, well, I'm on video pretty much like eight hours a day. So I at least have to look like I don't have my, you know, Jane Jetson, um, screen I can pull down. So I need to at least look like <laughs> semi-presentable because we literally like every internal meeting is on video. Um, and, you know, client calls, we have on video. Sometimes clients don't turn on the video. Sometimes they do. But, um, you know, I think that's been that's been an adjustment. And at first you're kind of, you know, we joke like uh, in a previous role, we would try to have video calls and like no one would turn on their camera. Right. Like it, it's very. Yeah. But um, it's just kind of the normal. Like I'm just used to it. Like it's just a default now. And 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 so I think that's definitely a changing habit. Um but I think, you know, that's kind of the future of, of where a lot of people are going to be, right? Like who knows when a lot of offices are, are opening back up and, and everything like that. So I definitely think um, moving to video and I think um, just having more touch points, right? So we, mm -hmm. we have probably a lot more like internal connects or just phone calls. We have like, we're small enough that we can still have like a group chat on, e on text. So we just have that going at all times, right? Like um, I think it's just, more and more frequent communication. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen the same, like a similar trend here. Um, well, I think for the most part we have, so we have eight, like eight to 10 core employees, uh, majority of them being in the LA area. Um, this is actually our office setting, um, but we only come in to record podcasts, <laughs> to be honest. Now everybody sort of works from home, but yeah, same challenges. The rest of our team is sort of remote and we have to just make sure that we're consciously connecting with them uh you know via video chat or we use slack but it's similar to the group text did you have a question i always have questions. i know that's yeah. why i'm asking <laughs> no um no i i mean i have so many questions like my brain because neutronian is new to me so i'm still trying to like process what you guys do and uh, yeah where i guess your role in a sense of like there's marketing and that's a huge thing within itself and then there's the customer success aspect yeah. which is another huge thing within itself um so like how you prioritize your time and like um you're trying to start a podcast you're trying to blog and really like how do you do it like it's like uh yeah i get by with a little help from my friends um I, <laughs> but no we um we, uh, you know, we have, we have great, um, advisors and consultants that help with, you know, some of the various pieces. I think, um, we are also hiring. So if you guys know anyone that, uh, <laughs> we're looking for like marketing manager to help us with some of the more tactical stuff, um, from a marketing standpoint. But then I think, um, it's, you know, at face value, they don't necessarily seem that, that they're intertwined as much. Right. But at the phase that we're at and what we're doing, it is very much intertwined, the, the, the two roles. So like, um, you know, someone will go through our certification process and then uh, if they receive certification, we'll do some co-marketing with them, right? So it kind of makes sense. I'm the one shepherding them through that process and then I'm the one helping them to, to promote it. Um, and I think also being so close to our customers and the process, it helps inform 
what we're thinking about from a content standpoint and also, you know, pulling in partners to participate in, in our podcast and stuff like that. So, um, it is for sure a balance. I think, you know, at the end of the day, first and foremost, our, our customers are, are going to come first. Um, you know, current customers that are paying us. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's like making sure that, that, um, you know, we're delivering to them and, and that they're happy and then, um, thinking, you know, outside of that, what else we can do from a, from a marketing standpoint. And I, and, you know, I, I also think something like the podcast, right? Like, well, you guys can tell me, but I think, you know, those are things that we can record and we can, you know, just because I record it today, as long as it's not like a super, you know, timely topic, right? Like those are things we can have in our arsenal so that as we have the bandwidth to get to them and can, you know, produce them and put them out there, like they're, you know, it doesn't have to be, it's not maybe as, it doesn't always have to be as like as turnkey or as quick to get out as, as, you know, not in every case, I guess is, is my point. Yeah. Unless you're talking about something that's like a, like a hot topic that, you know, if, you know, there's a crazy data breach. Maybe you guys might want to jump on to that as a topic. But other than that, yeah, podcasts are pretty evergreen for the most part, unless you're a news or sports or, you know, like a daily type talk show. Um, the, the content is so evergreen. That's a big thing that we sort of believe in is it gives you the ability to repurpose that content later. So, um, you know, if you're chopping it up into slices and then putting it out on you know your social platforms or just sending it out to prospective leads or you know new target audiences that's the best thing about it is you can keep using it over and over and over what's next for neutronian like what what do you see Great question uh, growth in like yeah what's next yes good question so we are i mean we're definitely looking to grow the team grow the business i think um we're trying to evolve what we're providing today which is a data quality certification from from more of a like pass fail to that scoring metric, you know, scoring rubric that I talked about. Um, so, you know, giving more customization, helping clients um, being able to, to tailor uh, to fit their needs. And then I think also, you know, we're very much focusing also on the, the compliance piece. So I think, you know, tr- mm-hmm. trying to develop and evolve solutions that can help um, from an ongoing monitoring of, you know, say your data sources, um, or say your inventory sources, right? But something that can be a, a more automated check on an ongoing basis, like are they are they including the right um, right verbiage in their privacy policies, right? Like are they activating the right consent mechanisms? Those types of things. So I think future is definitely um, expanding and evolving what we're providing, and and then introducing some more um, automation and like ongoing monitoring, um, uh, so that it's kind of like a continuous continuous check of data quality. That's awesome. All right. That's a great way to sort of button it up. So last question, where can everybody find all things Lisa and Neutronian? Sure. Yeah, I know. Great question. So um, for myself personally, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's that's the best um, best avenue. I'm pretty sure there's only one Lisa Abusala out there. So pretty, <laughs> pretty easy to find. Um, and then, you know, Neutronian uh, can be found on LinkedIn or Neutronian.com. Um, pretty easy and you know, Neutronian is like Neutron. Um, that's if we, we admit it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit of a geeky name, but um, it's uh, it's something that people have been able to rem- remember fairly easily. So Jimmy Neutron. I'll never yeah. forget that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Right. See, <laughs> very cool. Thank you, Lisa, so much for the time today. It was awesome to learn more about Neutronian, about yourself and the important role that you guys are playing as we move to the future. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys. Happy to be here. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks to Lisa for being our guest. And thanks to our team who put this together. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend about the Lights, Camera, Grow podcast. You can find it in Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.